Well, there you have another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero and hosted by the Heroes Media Group. You know, this is breaking ground today, ladies and gentlemen, all you listeners out there. Uh, This is our first Native American combat veteran on the show. He's got one heck of a story. Um, Was so thrilled and honored to have Daryl Hernandez, United States Navy CB, uh, on this episode and uh, heartfelt interview. And they need the help, folks. Please take the time to listen to this. And uh, I just know you're going to enjoy it. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night. You were born to fight. You gotta light them up. My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. Save us all before they burn it down. This episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio is Petty Officer Second Class United States Navy CB Daryl Hernandez. Daryl served both in Iraq and Afghanistan, OIF and OEF, also in the Philippines and Thailand. Currently, he serves on the Veterans Board of nine districts for the Oglala Sioux Tribe. He's a cemetery caretaker foreman, honor guard, and district commander. He used to be the Tribal Veteran Service Officer and the Director of Veterans Homeless Shelters. I can tell you he's been on a he's been battling for six years and he's not giving up. He's been very pro- proactive about bringing homes for veterans and housing rehab through USDA grants and other resources. He he's also bringing economic growth through on-the-job training for veterans with state and federal agencies. He also I'm telling you this guy is on top of it. He he. He's been doing a lot for the veterans ever since he got out, and uh, and it's been tough up there. Um, he's also working with veterans that are struggling with drug addiction, post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injuries, and other things that befall soldiers, sailors, and airmen and women when they come back. He's been working with many congressional leaders, and he's been in contact with other allies who wish to see the same and better treatment elsewhere in the different tribal regions, almost like a uh, a forgotten part of America, huh, Daryl? Very honored to have you here. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. That's a lot, man. You got a lot on your plate. You know, before we even get started with all the good things that you're doing now, and, you know, tell us a little bit about your household and, and how you made it to the United States Navy. Oh, wow. Obviously, I've been, I was pretty raised really good, proactive with my family, um, pretty much third generation Electrician, second generation uh, construction contractor. Uh, did welding before I even joined. Uh, had a had a family very very proactive in my life to to push push myself to the limits to better myself. And right when pretty much one of my bucket lists joined the military. And uh, my my grandfather was in there. My father was in there. My uncles were were in the, in the army, the Marines. Pretty much in the in this religion and uh, the tribal religion. You have a lot of lot of relatives that go into the military. Uh, mine was pretty much more of a, a bucket list to say, you know, I wanted to do a lot of things. And um, what I picked was uh, construction on a wall of welding, UCT. Let's see here, just being with the bees was 
phenomenal. I mean, we went uh, all over the world. You can see here, did a lot of missions. Obviously, we're in Afghanistan. We dealt with tribal ethnic background. Very, very proactive in that area. Um, went shooting from the ladder. Did inspector, electrical, got my electrical license through there again. Underwater welding. Um, let's see here, did uh, well, uh, well drilling for water in different areas. It's been a, been a hell of a ride. It really opened up my, really opened up my eyes being in different countries and obviously down in nitty gritty dirt with the Marines and the, the Army Special Forces and uh, the front line. Um, it was a, it was a good, um, good adventure. And obviously being coming back home, you know, we, we actually have that struggle and fight. <laughs> Felt like when I left, uh, nothing changed and come back. And right now I'm kind of, uh, up to my up to my neck i'm trying to bring economic growth and like you're stating my side of what i've been through it's just trying to bring bring the light uh get that light in the tunnel and bring all those uh, allies through the the tribal program areas and keep getting us you know we're recognized as tribal veterans but um you know we've got a lot of resources that we're not getting utilized so we need to start harnessing them so my six what six years six and a half years being out um it's a it's a pretty big fight, and a lot of a lot of centers want to make it make a change. Um, everything we just uh, we don't really we don't really have a state of I should say uh, a good foundation as a CV. We don't really have a good foundation set here. So I'm actually starting to put that foundation together and to utilize Wounded Warrior Program. Um, a lot of the a lot of nonprofits that are out there with the veterans and say, hey, you know we. We could use guys' support. Um, obviously, we have other tribal veterans associations that uh, want to get things and want to bring bring economic growth from on-the-job training, like I said, to housing development. Um, I'm actually dealing with a, a D.C. personnel, uh, actually a major in uh, in D.C. To Obviously, we have exercises through uh, Department of Defense, pretty much what we did in, uh, in CB40. Actually helped build uh, the first 20 homes through a partnership partnership for housing in Navajo Nation. So that's where I was able to write down a few pages and uh, put it in my put in my book before I got out because I was still active duty at the time. And you know I wanted to start harnessing those kind of those kind of allies out there to bring to lights and bring them to our reservation. So I've been. Uh, I've been running ever since I got out of the helicopter. I'll tell you that for sure. Well, you know that definitely sounds like it, and I know you have a lot on your plate, and it, it's it's. You know, so where exactly did you grow up? What reservation, or was it even on the reservation? Was it outside, or tell me about that? And and you know, coming from a long line of people that had served the country, it's awesome that you had those mentors and that you were able to have that experience. But tell me about specifically growing up and what it was like going into you know basic training. Oh wow, me being I was born and raised on Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota here. Um, I'm in the heart of what we call born and raised. We're one of the notorious tribes, um, one of the tribes that actually killed uh, General Custer. So we're kind of labeled it as that. I've pretty much been through Germany and uh, Italy and Spain, and um, they've actually a lot of other, a lot of other military guys understand. You know, when I say I'm come from, you know, the Sioux tribe, the Sioux tribe, they actually say, "Hey, you're the ones that killed General Custer." And I was like. Well, I'm pretty glad our, our tribe spans across the area. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> I hear you. It's like pretty good, well-known. But, yeah, coming from this area, we, we have a high rate of uh, 85% poverty. Um, jobs are just 
Um, we don't really have a very good economic source of jobs to the community. So I'm trying to turn that around. Um, can you uh, know that? Uh, can you can you speak your your language, your native language? Oh yes, I can actually. That's uh, pretty much when you speak to an elderly, you have to speak in uh, your Lakota tongue, describing you know where you're from. You know, Daryl you know, Machapi you know, Hernandez, and um, you know I come from Paisinte, uh, Waiwa from uh, uh, Porcupine Tioshbe, who's our Tioshbe's family. So you have to actually you know we we learn from our relatives and our our grandfathers. So. We don't lose our we don't lose our heritage, so we you actually have to learn our language all the time. So and that's what's really good about it. That's actually pretty cool because you know it's a language that's you know that nobody really knows a lot about except for you know the people in your area of the country, and you know it's an interesting language. I know that there's some people that are you know hanging on to those traditions, and we need to do that. You know that's pretty that's pretty yep. awesome, man. You know so yes, what was uh, so what was basic training like? So you're coming off. Pine Ridge, right? And you want to serve your country, yep. and here you are, you know, Daryl Hernandez finds himself in uh, in basic training. What was it like to, for you? Oh wow, that was uh, it was an eye opener. Um, we we call a we call an African American. We call him a a hasapa. Um, that was the, the first time I've ever seen one in, in boot camp, and he was actually my chief. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it was a pretty good eye opener seeing being the first uh, African American in the in the military. Actually, ever I've ever been I obviously been in a reservation. Really haven't uh, you know, spread my my wings and flying solo when I before I was a military. But yeah, being in a boot camp and um, seeing a lot of different ethnic backgrounds, um, uh, Spanish, Latino. Uh, let's see here. The um, Washington every yeah. Yeah, she choose they're all there. Uh, obviously, they didn't really care what state they came from. I just knew what the color they were. <laughs> so I was like, but again, I mean, I still keep in contact. One of my one of my best friends, he's actually from Nicaragua, and uh, we went down there to his homeland in uh, down south, and it was it was pretty good dealing with the rest of the guys. I still keep in contact from boot camp. Um, let's see here, just it was a uh, it was kind of pretty much hitting the ground running. A high tempo, and that's what I was used to. Um, but again, it was just a, a really big eye opener going from Great Lakes, um, then going to Mississippi. I was uh, my training was in Gulfport, Mississippi. They just got done with that um, the hurricane that took out, so it wasn't really much to see. But again, you know, bringing in the bringing in all the all the backgrounds and all the states. Um, you know, we knew right off the back in boot camp. You know we had to work as one and didn't care if you're black, white, green, or purple. And I was like, you, you had to come and work as a team. And it, it felt really good to be in that, uh, that state environment to, to see that everybody's light was um, shining the same way. Everybody's proactivity, everybody's the, just the, just the, just the fight that they knew what we we're here for, what they signed up for, and, you know, the camaraderie, that's the perfect word. Yeah. I mean, I, people see it during the, by the time they get active duty into their battalion, but I've seen that camaraderie right in boot camp. I mean, we got together the first week in our P days and, you know, no one got out of line. Everybody helped each other. And it was, it was awesome to be in that kind of environment. It's amazing how, you know, we all, everybody talks about it, you know, out here in the civilian world, you know, about teamwork and, you know, we're going to get the job yep. done, but you see it, you know, I was an army guy and, you know, uh, first time I had ever been toe to toe 
with uh, Native Americans were two Navajo guys that were just like, these guys were rock-solid individuals. And, you know, after a while, it didn't matter. Like you just said, you know, Daryl, who you were, where you came from, you know, the kind of things that you did in your life before you got there. But what did happen was we got melded and molded like you guys did in the Navy into a fighting force. And we yep. counted on each other. You know, Ross Henry was a guy from Oklahoma, uh, from the Navajo tribe down there. And, and he, that guy would do anything for you. And I can tell you, he was a warrior in his own right. We actually, this is kind of a sunny, funny side story I get back to, but we actually, we were in a field one day, we were smoking and joking, and we actually... We said, you know, Ross, do you have a, a name, you know, back home? He goes, you know, not really. I just go by Ross Henry. So you're going to love this, Daryl. We named him Prancing Moose. And I got to tell you, man, <laughs> he absolutely loved it. He became, we, we called him Moose for short, but he, that man shined after we gave him his name it was funny because we were just a bunch of white guys acting stupid and he took it to heart and, and we loved that guy you know i just brings back some really good memories man and I, I wonder what ross is doing now but what what a guy he was and we were a fighting force man just like you described so so you're at basic training you go down to golf port you guys are a fighting force what and you talked about all the countries when was your first deployment in combat environment uh, it was in 2000, and um, golly, was it six? In the 2006, we made our my first Christmas and Thanksgiving, and um, and uh, we got in Kuwait, and then we went up towards uh, um, Iraq and Baghdad, so kind of in a green zone area. But um, it was a uh, it was still eye opener. Eye opener. It was kind of a it was a crazy ordeal, and then uh, yeah, I kind of just stuck it from there. We we're actually one of the battalions that did nothing our flag our cd flag was in in the middle east and um we were all of our the, the battalions were in iraq or in afghanistan so we pretty much seen seen sand the whole time and you know i was in the philippines too in afghanistan so it pretty much all it was all combat we've seen we've seen a lot of it so it was actually crazy what was what, what what were you guys doing like building roads and i know the cbs are always like on the ground first as far as the navy goes isn't that true yeah we we were always with the with the Marine Corps and the Navy, um, with the Army. Um, we did a rapid rapid run repair triple R team. Uh, we did uh, constantly. We went out uh, in the middle of nowhere to start building the city. Um, let's see, we did convoys. We did our own convoys. Obviously, our air support was you know Navy or or Army. So, um, but we did our own convoys. We did everything construction. You name it, we built it. They wanted a two story talk. We Put it up. We did lands V's, those um, the big bubble tents that uh, the Army Marine used for, you know, anything, just rehabilitation, storage, or whatever. But uh, we built, uh, we went in and we built cities, and it was awesome to know that um, you know majors they came over and said, "Here's a beast." Like, yeah, man, whatever you guys need, you guys want equipment, you guys need tools, you guys want material, I'll I'll, I'll bring it over overnight, and we'll ship it in. And well, sometimes our our database was a little bit slower. Our our public uh, public warehouse people a little bit slow because we know they we use that material. But when it comes to army, knowing that we can uh, we can supply them with uh, um, a warm place to sleep, and uh, they're not they're not sleeping out in the cold, and we give them heat, we give them electricity. Hell, we even get Wi-Fi if we need to. But uh, all of the, all the majors and the higher ups were 
the Marine and the armies were, <laughs> they, they, they blessed us. They knew what we were there for and actually help out. You know, obviously we did, um, beyond the wire. We, we repaired bridges, um, roadways, you name it. We, we've done it. So it was actually pretty good. We, they did a, we did a handful of wells. We went on to the people, uh, the tribal people next door to us and we drilled and we hit uh, the depths of, you know, sometimes up to five to a thousand feet and got, got water for the, the village. So we did a, we did a lot. And it was actually really good to be there. What did you guys, you know, obviously it's a dangerous environment. You guys are out and you just said beyond the wire. What, what kept you focused? I mean, you know, you said they knew why you were there. Did you guys know why you were there and what kept you focused? The mission at hand, I mean, prior to going into, prior to going into Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever we're going, I mean, we, we were, um, we were, we were briefed by our higher up saying, Hey, this is our mission. You know, we're going to build homes. You guys are going to be swinging hammers. You guys are going to be drilling wells. We prepped ourselves before we even got on a plane and headed overseas. So, um, but we expected, we always expected unexpected, but we're expected the, the high tolerance of, uh, pushing through the winters, the hot heat of 150 degrees of, you know, I mean, we, we trained for it, you know, time and time again and have that, um, that muscle memory of, uh, what our mission was. Um, that could be anything. I mean, we, we could pretty much change to convoys to, um, to be in, you know, security, providing additional security for, uh, army roadside, I, uh, IEDs to, um, anything i mean we did rotations for you know security and and um in afghanistan but and when it comes to the when it comes to the bees you know we prefer you know we do on convoys the building to hell even uh 30 foot bunkers uh you know anything anything you name we're, we're already so you guys are like the definitely definitely the yeoman of the battlefield like you know the combat engineers to the extreme what 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 was the difference between and thank God you made it back home alive? What was the difference between Afghanistan and Iraq to you? What did you see? I, I honestly it'd probably be nothing uh, besides the mountain views. Uh, was a little rocky in some cases, uh, but the uh, environment we had. I mean, we kind of just went went to a place uh, where the bees were already at. We had a we had everything we needed, but. The environment where it had it just it didn't feel like it didn't change besides the temperatures that that was about it um besides that that including the uh, the people around we were around um you know the germans after a while were uh, isaf so we actually instead of just hanging out army and marines we actually in afghanistan we were with uh all of the different countries that were there and um utilizing the british they gave us uh material when we need it um obviously the germans were there and they gave us uh equipment or uh you know maybe like if they had an extra a drill or a sawzall it was actually pretty good you know all uh all of them it was just a different environment it's just the spaces and the place that we're at so it was actually really good though what you know was there anything you know in the six years and especially in that combat environment is there any one particular event or thing that happened that totally shifted the way you thought about things in life was there anything that you that stands out that you saw that uh that changed your mind about something um i think it had to been um in the philippines you know the 
the Filipino people, the, they, they pride themselves in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different avenues of, of their lifestyle. But, uh, when I, when I seen, you know, what, what we were up against that, you know, some of the Filipinos, you know, believed in Muslims and they believed in what was going on in Iraq and Afghanistan. It was just a little, I look around like you guys live here in this island with blue water and, you know, you, Sometimes it's the it's the belief it's the their general background of what they what they conduct and what I came from and I'm like I never would have even thought about none of that stuff and I mean we went through Thailand and it was a different uh, different criteria and uh, it actually just opened my mind that you know even doesn't matter where you're from or what you do and how you want to change things in Iraq or Afghanistan you know there's a lot of different people that um, have that same agenda and it was like i mean why why would you want that in iraq and afghanistan when you're here you know having economic development and growth and you don't want to be in a war zone you don't want to be there you know it's like good life and <clears throat> after a while it's like man it's just crazy to understand and um i kind of like i kind of just stepped back a little bit i'm like i thought the war was in iraq and afghanistan and lo and behold the we were in the Philippines and the war was right there too. So <laughs> yeah, we've seen a, we've seen a few of them. We've seen a few rounds come down range in the, in the Philippines. So, um, after a while we're saying, Hey, yeah, that's, uh, that's MLF. That's like Muslim insurgent. They believe our commanding, um, our mass chief, he said that and he's like, yeah, they believe what's going on there. And I'm like, that's why we have fights here. And I'm like, wow, that's, well, either way, I'm ready to rock and roll mass chief. So it's like, so that's kind of where it was. So it, it didn't matter where you were at, you know, the fight still and, you know, whatever there might be, it just, it kind of trickles from one country to another. So kind of crazy, kind of what we're going through, what we're going through right now in the, in the U.S. or overseas and, and British. So it's just, it don't matter where it's at. It's going to, it could be in Iraq, Afghanistan, but it could be just in your backyard. You just got to be, you know, flexible and ready to rock and roll at any, any moment. So, yeah. So, so tell us about your transition. What was the choice to decide? You know, you served the country six years in the CBs, and you know, and 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 you traveled around a bit, opened up your eyes, and you just decided it was time to get out and and come back. Or tell us about your transition. Yeah, um, right. Uh, obviously, I give you like a year before you want to get out or enlist, and um, I was when we came back, and uh, I was like, you know, I think they're just ready to part of my ways and go back home and, you know, take care of the, take care of the ranch and, um, kind of get back myself. And after a while, I mean, being, being in the military, I have a lot of different, um, friends all over the United States getting out and was saying, you know, it's, it's, uh, time to bring that, uh, that environment back that my, the motivation I've seen, the, the camaraderie, you know, I'm trying to harness it coming back to the reservation because, you know, it's just like Navajo nation, um, Seminole Nation. Um, we all have veterans, you know, just like any other any other county or district. You know, we all have veterans all over. But now, what I would wanted to do is is um, to harness that situation of not just having allies across the country, but having allies across the state to be able to help that um, help the assistance. You know, and I knew every time I go back for R and R back home, it's like nothing's changed, and then you know I run into. Uh, lieutenant so I run into I think one of the guys was working for Wounded Warrior and he said hey this is what we're bringing to the table for for veterans for on the job training 
and me being looking out for a lot of the veterans back home to the elderly veterans to the youth and having you know coming from my my perspective of the reservation i was like i want to bring that on i want to i want to help bring your source and resource to my my area and uh to push it through and um you know, obviously, I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise because by the time I I did, I was a 31st SRG, uh, SR, SRT, and I was um, uh, a weapons instructor. That's whenever they're decommissioning a couple battalions, and obviously my battalion was being decommissioned. So I was like, our master was like, yeah, you guys are getting out. You know, you guys got a couple months or three months before you guys get out. So um, that's where your DD-14 is going to stay is reduction of force. <laughs> it's like everybody yeah. is like. The military actually fires people. <laughs> so it's like, after all, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to take my book of knowledge and um, all my all my business cards and resources and allies out there throughout the states and go home and start to start making my phone calls and and uh, to bring that environment here. I mean, I got a lot of allies just right outside the reservation line, ready to rock and roll and bring bring a lot to the table you know obviously i'm just trying to set my foundation so far get my board to to get um you know obviously we just opened up a, a veteran cemetery uh, recognized by nca national cemetery association of dc um, we opened up that two years ago um we have close to 40 wait 35 uh veterans on um, discharged our our brother division that uh, people look up on uh, internet uh, black hills veteran cemetery but we're we're that's our brother division so we're 100 100 miles away around a reservation we're recognized by nca obviously we got a lot of you know states there but we we actually help out um back and forth black hills comes down south give us a little give us a little uh rundown how things go for traditional side or ashes or crypts and um they give us training um but i mean just by, by the time i by the time i got out the door uh, out of California, I was, I was ready to rock and roll. I headed out at, um, uh, zero dark 30 and man, I was back in South Dakota within that next day. And I was ready, to, I was ready to get this thing going because coming back, back and forth for the six years, um, seeing my, seeing our veterans not getting their, not getting harnessing their, their e-benefits or their, um, on the job training courses, you know, um, their, free training if, if it's there. I mean, I know quite a few of them wrap city area, local areas. They're just not harnessing them. So that's why I want to make a change right away and start pushing us, start pushing this environment to better our veterans here in, in South Dakota and, and well, on the Pine Ridge Reservation. Well, you've definitely done a lot and you got a lot more to do. Did you, you know, and I want to get into some of the specific programs, but did you have any of your own issues with post-traumatic stress or any of those things that we know all about? Did you go through anything yeah. yourself? Yeah, I went through um, obviously through the, the PTSD program in uh, Rapid City. Yeah, it was a it was a hard uh, hard road. Did um, it help you? Did you get the help? Yeah, yeah, I got the help I needed, and it actually helped out really well. Um, obviously, we're trying to transition to recognizing our spiritual ways as uh, tribal members. To and right now, from South Dakota is trying to recognize the um, the veterans tribal veterans for a sweat lodge. Uh, what we call an EP, uh, do it the spiritual way, just like anybody else in their spiritual way. Christ, uh, God, just to pray on it, just to be able to have a lot, a lot of good support in that area. But uh, we got to, we're trying to get a program together through um, South Dakota Veterans Affairs, uh, South Dakota State, to 
to be able to bring to recognize um, our veterans, our tribal veterans, in a, in a way, in a spiritual way. So Sweet. that was actually got off the ground about a year ago. So that's awesome work. Yeah, you know, interesting. You know, you mentioned the Anipi. Uh, I've been in the Sweat Lodge. It was about 15 years ago, and it was actually Ed Eagleman McGaw, who is from your oh. neck of the woods. He wrote the book Mother of Spirituality, and I had met him through the airwave somehow and brought him down to Florida to teach us about the culture. And uh, actually sat in the in the Anipi with Eagleman and. Uh, you know, went through that ceremony and it, I, it was life changing. And, uh, it was pretty interesting. You know, he was of course a Vietnam veteran who, you know, flew F fours over North Vietnam and made it back to the reservation safe and wrote a couple of books. But that was my experience with your culture. And, uh, you know, it's things that we need to learn about so we can understand each other, but you know, the work you're doing is invaluable. What is it exactly, Daryl, that you, what do you guys need? What is it that you need up there? Obviously money, I'm sure, but what, what, what kind of things can the people on the outside world do to help you? Um, golly, I think it's just a um, donation of maybe a trailer to start our, to start um, our, you know, our, we don't have, we usually use the, um, whatever's available um, in, in source of meetings, we'll just like pick um, uh, our college center here and they'll give us an hour, but we don't actually have a um, a house to, to sit down and really have a building that actually says, you know, tribal veterans, tribal veterans uh, company. We don't have anything. We just have our tribal VSO as a one door and <laughs> one door and have one computer and, it's the, the foundation of setting a good good home, and we don't really have to kind of just you know shoot from the hip and make our meetings where they need to be. Um, the nonprofits. And, Do you have a what? Tell us about your website. You guys have a website? Um, yeah, we're, we're we're getting that up so far, but we usually usually just go through the tribal VSO, uh, Ogallala Sioux Tribe, uh, tribal VSO. You could probably just Google that. Uh, uh, Veteran Service Officer. They have it on the the Ogallala Sioux Tribe dot org um that's one of their one of the websites that's connected to the tribe but we don't really have our own separate entity as a as a veterans council or, or any veterans meeting we kind of just you know kind of just find out where a spot we can we can have our meetings but um so far like myself talking to you i'm i'm in my full-time job of uh of facility manager so i'm in my own office at a school so um, when we get done with our meetings, I just kind of just go to, the house, go to the individual house. I meet with them face to face, talk to the district managers at their own house, and see what we can do. Our upcoming powwows, we kind of for our honor guards, we kind of just mingle. I mean, hey, let's just meet at the powwow grounds, and we'll just talk what we want to do for the next month. And you know, we don't really have a actual place to go to to bus besides the cemetery. And you know, the cemetery is just a where our fallen our fallen comrades are so we don't really we just kind of just want to start our start our our um, our foundation getting a getting a place mobilize our certain area where people can funnel their donations or maybe you know additional um wood we actually had a, like one of my one of my comrades down in south carolina he um was with the company and they donated uh 
they donated wood for the winter um, for veterans, obviously, here in, on the South Dakota. We, we vary between, I didn't get a solid number, um, but I'm, we're close to about 2,500 veterans here on the Grand Ridge Reservation. So we try to, you know, they just dump the wood off at my house, and I just grab my bobcat. We borrow it from Housing Authority. What yeah. are we going to do? We just kind of scrounge up what we can and get them out there to the veterans. So. It's been a well. You, you mentioned eighty-five percent poverty on, in the reservation area, and so it yeah. sounds like the foundation is what needs to be built. You know, the ideas are there. There's a lot of, I mean, twenty-five hundred veterans is a lot of veterans. Yep. And you guys need a meeting place and 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 a trailer and some of the amenities, just the very basics to get started. You know, and it's, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's like with this podcast, you know, we're trying to diminish negative stereotypes. But what we're also trying to do is get the word out how our listeners can actually help. And it sounds to All me, right. you know, this is it sounds to me like you guys and gals up there in that neck of the woods, y- you all need as much as you can get. Um, yeah, that's just the very basics to get started, you know, so they can get what's the website Daryl, that they can check out what you've uh, got now? OglalaLakotaSiouxTribe.org. OglalaSiouxTribe.org, one word, yeah, you know, .org. So, um, yeah, that's our that's our tribal website. Um, but uh, if anybody wanted to contact me personally, um, you can email me, uh, Daryl.Hernandez34 at Hotmail.com. Um, Daryl, D A R R E. Well, H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z-34 at Hotmail. So, um, anything helps, obviously, just trying to get where we're going. Like, um, two days ago, sacrificed, uh, one of my, one of my buffaloes. Um, and I got the 13 pounds of meat off it and I just pretty one from each district and dumped off meat for feeding our veterans and uh, community elderly homes. So that's, uh, I, I just do the best I can with what I got and try to do an outreach and see if our veterans are getting taken care of. Because right now we got that little polar cold, cold express going around and it's like minus 25 degrees. Yeah. You, you know, do the best. Well, you're doing a great job. You know, it's even interesting how we made contact. You know, I reached out to the Oglala uh, Lakota Community College and actually I got hooked up with your wife was working in one of the departments and just so happened that, she passed along. I told her, you know, I said, I'm looking for some Native American veterans uh, so we can tell their stories. And she said, well, you know, yep. uh, my husband actually is a combat veteran and he'll get in touch. So, you know, and you did immediately. You know, let me ask you this, a couple things. You know, what do you want the the civilian world to know about combat veterans? Because there seems to be this stereotype that veterans are... You know, they're getting ready to, they got trigger fingers and they're, they're going to go crazy at any given moment. That seems to be a stereotype out there. What do you want those people to know? We're, we're all human. We're, we pretty much, before we even step off a convoy, we pray to the same God. Uh, we wish the best for our families. We take care of our comrades next to us, behind following the fallen, the, the, the ones coming in the ranks, signed on to... To uh, defend the defend the country, not only just our tribal country, and um, even though we've had some bumps and bruises, and some of them are a little hard, you know, far fetched, and some some think, 
but um you know we just want to just talk to us just to ask us what's going on we're just any other person out there um make sure that um they're well known that's one thing is that you know we don't want to be you know not missed but uh when if we're coming out and we got something wrong with us it's just a point you know we want to get back in the world and make sure that we want to be well taken care of and uh make sure that we're actually getting getting the job done you know just take our hand you know tell us that uh you you understand what what's going on out there and why we signed up we didn't sign out just to you know collect the benefits or whatever but we signed up because we want to we want to make a difference and that's the whole point is that even though we go in and we come back out you know we want to make a difference so just um give us a handshake and obviously we're not heroes we know plenty of them and we they never came back and that's the point is that uh we want to we want to be able to recognize them and our fallen ones need to be recognized more to be able to say that we made it we came back but uh we want the best for their families you know, we look out for our comrades. Just appreciate uh, that ones that uh, that didn't sign on a dotted line, and we wanted to do it, so it's all voluntarily. So that's uh, that's all I needed to say on that one. Definitely some words of wisdom there. You know, so if there's a guy or a gal, you know, that wore the uniform that's out there listening, and and they're in a bad place, you know, Darrell, what would you tell them? Keep pushing through. I mean. Don't, uh, I mean, we, we, we've all been there to a point where we had, we sat in a one man tent and been there for a year. It could be cold. It could be rainy just to push yourself and say a prayer every morning. Thank God or to caution a lot that, uh, that every morning you're going to be there to see maybe kids. The light is at the end of the tunnel. And that thing is that, uh, our veterans are there side by side, you know, get to get the homeless shelter, get to, you know, the, the, using the VA, utilizing the VA, you know, get a get a place, get a warm warm co- hot of coffee, you know, just to, just to push yourself, push yourself to the limit, stand up, dust yourself off, and keep pushing forward. That's all we need to do. And um, if you need resources, hell, I'm coming from creation, and it's like, and what expected, but uh, out there, it's, it's uh, everybody wants to help out. You know, just go to keep going to church and you know, talk to people. You know, you're not invisible. We know you're there, and just keep pushing forward. That's some great advice. So let me ask you this, Daryl. Um, you know, what what does freedom mean to you? Freedom. Obviously, I born and raised in this uh, in the reservation, but coming from you know the U.S. of having that freedom is to do you. You pretty much open your. You have to push yourself as as freedom. It, it's uh it's uh if you're born here then it's actually you it's there it's there for you to do whatever you want but uh, freedom you can do whatever you want it's, it's all there it's just you just gotta have that mentality to better yourself you know all access all avenues approach are there all the doors are open all the windows but understanding freedom it, it, your your sky's the limit whatever you wanted to do you wanted to start a Start a business. You wanted to, you know, anything. Do do it yourself. But but have freedom. That's uh, that's act that uh, other people before us uh, established that uh, that uh, that paper to be able to know that uh, you're not tied down. You know, you we want the best for you. You know, we're seeking the best for you. 
all it is, is you just give me your, bring you 50% and you can be able to take care of you. So that, that, that's me right there. So awesome. You know, you know, we're listening and having conversation with Daryl Hernandez, who is actually a warrior in his own right. He might not say it, but he is. And and what's interesting is you broke new ground with us here on straight out of combat radio. You were actually the first native American combat veteran on our show. And, uh, all I can say is, you know, the the work that you're doing with the Veterans Board and the Oglala Sioux Tribe, you know, to keep the traditions and to help those 2,500 veterans uh, with the things they need to live their lives again is uh, certainly commendable. I can tell you this, Daryl, that we're gonna we're gonna meet someday, man. I'm gonna make it up there to the Sundance yet. I can tell you, and uh, I just appreciate you and and all of your comrades, the guys and the gals up there, and. Uh, very humbled and honored to have you here on the show today. And, and just, uh, we're here behind you. You've given out the information. Anybody listening, you know, Daryl Hernandez and his buddies, well, it's the Great White North now, but up there in, you know, the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation area, they need all the help they can get. Uh, there's more information there. So please, please help. And, and thank you, Daryl, for being here, man. I um, appreciate your service to our country and you as an individual. And, uh, Look forward to the day we can actually, you know, have that handshake. Thank you very much. Roger that. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free. And combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken.